Episode 5 of WandaVision dropped this past Friday, and it's a doozy. I'm James from Cine Siblings, and this is James Plains. So, WandaVision is the MCU's first real foray into integrating the characters from the movies into streaming episodes on Disney+. Sorry Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Punisher, and Jessica Jones, you guys got left out of the films. What about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Felt like an afterthought, trying to shoehorn things in around the greater MCU. But WandaVision, ah yes. WandaVision is something altogether different. It's tying in main MCU characters in a really strange and yet very satisfying way. And this week-to-week release on Disney Plus is certainly the way to go. Every Friday, I get to look at the wife and say, WandaVision dropped today. And there's just a buzz of excitement around the house. Watching it, that I haven't really remembered since I was a kid and the whole family sat down on Friday nights to watch TGIF's Full House and Family Matters, both of which get subtle call-outs in Episode 5 of WandaVision. Now, there's a lot of breakdowns out there. There's a lot going on, but I'm going to take a moment to briefly touch on the episodes before I james explain something. Now, there's spoilers ahead, followed by theories, speculations, and comic book lore, so consider yourself warned. The first two episodes of WandaVision dropped, and some folks were wondering if they needed to adjust their television sets. For me, it was like time warping back to Nick at Night and catching Dick Van Dyke and I Love Lucy. I know it put some people off, but for me, it was great. And for a few moments, I actually got absorbed into the classic tropey sitcom elements of it all, and in a way, got sucked into the charade. But, frankly, bravo to the creators for taking the risk. These first episodes set up a number of mysteries for us and teased a number of strange occurrences and gave us pretty much zero answers. How did it all get this way? And well, we close with Wanda's pregnancy. And after episode five, some things become more clear and in re-watching the episodes, things make a lot more sense. We're introduced to a number of recurring characters, the most important seeming to be Agnes, Wanda and Vision's neighbor, and Geraldine, a friendly presence. But the pair of episodes ends with a very strong suggestion that Wanda is in control of the goings-on in Westview. When the beekeeper pops up from the manhole and suddenly reality shifts away from that when she says no. Episode 3, in a 1970s setting, reminiscent of the Brady Bunch to me, doubles down on this, suggesting that Wanda was the cause of the whole strange ordeal and plot-wise deals with the entire expedited pregnancy of Wanda and the birth of the twins Tommy and Billy, which seems like it's going to be much more of a focus on the entire series. Episode 3 also covers the fact that Geraldine doesn't belong in Westview and that Wanda has the ability to expel her, which leads us directly into Episode 4, Episode 4 is when things get so good, we take a break from WandaVision, the sitcom. We learn that Geraldine is indeed Monica Rambeau, introduced in the Captain Marvel movie. She's the little girl, now all grown up, because remember, Captain Marvel's events 
take place in the 1990s. We also get a view of what the blip meant in a much more horrific fashion than what we saw in Spider-Man Far From Home as we open with Monica rematerializing in a hospital, as well as all the patients who were blipped by Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. We get to see everything that's been happening on the outside of the strange TV sitcoms starring two Avengers. We get the return of Jimmy Woo, the FBI agent from Ant-Man 2, and Darcy Lewis, Jane Foster's sidekick from Thor 1 and 2. And may I say, what a chemistry of likability and humor between these two supporting characters. We don't actually move forward with the events in this episode, but it starts to answer the questions we've had. But only some of them. And it's got one of the most jaw-dropping and heartbreaking moments since five years later from Endgame. The brief shot of a very dead vision acting perfectly normal. What is it? What's wrong? Absolutely horrifying, and I'm absolutely sold on this show. Now, episode five, we hit the 1980s, and this is hitting on some nostalgia for millennials who caught a lot of these shows on reruns like Family Ties, Full House, Family Matters, and Growing Pains. This episode gives us a satisfying blend between what's happening inside and outside Westview. And it drops a number of other clues about Monica Rambeau, the nosy neighbor Agnes, as well as the twins, Billy and Tommy. And to make sense of those clues, we need to dig just a little bit into comic book lore. Let's start with Monica Rambeau, who in the comics is introduced as the second Captain Marvel, but also has gone under names Photon, Pulsar, and Spectrum. You'll note all of those names have to do with light. And those scans we see in Episode 5? Yeah. Monica Rambeau is going to be a superhero, and I like it. In the comics, she's in various iterations of the Avengers, and I think in the MCU, she'll be a good fit. No, great fit, as she is a leader, and the Avengers are now without Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. And well, I'm just going to say it, she seems to have a bit more charisma than Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, who I think can play more of an enforcer role on the cosmic front a la Thor, who, I suppose, is going to be going full cosmic with the Guardians of the Galaxy. But yeah. Loving the origin story for Monica Rambeau, and excited to watch it play out. Now, let's get to Agnes, or should I say, Agatha Harkness. I don't think it's much of a leap to connect the two. In the comics, Agatha Harkness is heavily associated with Scarlet Witch, but also with the Fantastic Four, originally appearing as Franklin Richards' nanny, which is likely another tie-in with the MCU's future theatrical releases. And frankly, I'm down for anything in the MCU related to Marvel's first family. But back to Agatha Harkness. She is a witch and, quote, has the ability to manipulate magical forces for a number of effects, including teleportation, energy projection, and the tapping of extra-dimensional energy by invoking entities or objects of power existing in dimensions tangential to Earth's through the recitation of spells. Agatha also has the abilities of mesmerism, thought-casting, and illusion-casting. She's served as a mentor for Scarlet Witch, but also, without too many details, aids Mephisto in acquiring Wanda's twins, erasing her memory and later restoring it. Now, Mephisto 
is Marvel's version of the devil, at least on the face of it. He's not the most powerful villain, but he certainly does a lot of provocation and tempting. For instance, in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, he's basically goading Thanos onto his nihilistic destruction of life. And given that the twins have become so focal in WandaVision, most signs point to Mephisto as being the big bad evil guy. Also, in that storyline where Agatha Harkness restores Scarlet Witch's memories of her children, it's so that she can stop being used by Immortus, the future self of Kang the Conqueror, a time-traveling villain we know is set to appear, wait for it, in the MCU very soon. Now, the twins Billy and Tommy have a complex history. Both are considered magical constructs and not the natural offspring of Wanda and Vision, and are actually parts of Mephisto himself that he seeks to reabsorb. Later in the comics, they are reincarnated as the mutants Wiccan and Speed, so it'll be interesting to see how the MCU is inspired by these events. Finally, Episode 5, we get the big reveal of... Spoiler again, Quicksilver. But not played by the actor we remember from Age of Ultron, but by the actor we remember from Fox's X-Men franchise. Even Darcy mentions that Wanda's brother has been, quote, recast. So, questions now abound about bringing Fox's X-Men into the MCU, which we've been doing before, but now it's already happened. The multiverse is a real thing in Marvel. It's happening. Let's get used to it. And let's trust that they'll do a better job of it than Fox did with the X-Men. I swear, I never know what timeline those movies are in. So, does this mean all the X-Men can eventually make their way into the MCU? Or are the crossovers going to be limited? Now, fellow sibling Ian thinks we're going to see Magneto appear. And in the comics, at least for a time, Magneto is supposed to be the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's natural father. The comics have retconned Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's parents before, and they were raised by adoptive parents in the comics, and perhaps it's those adoptive parents who were mentioned in Episode 5. But the fact that they're mentioning parents means that Ian might be onto something. And who wouldn't want to see the Master of Magnetism in the MCU? But what else do we have to look forward to for Wanda and Vision? Is Vision still really dead? Did Wanda revive him? The whole question and theme of resurrection and bringing back the dead is focal in Episode 5. I asked my wife for her theories and thoughts, and she theorized that the field around Westview is the only thing keeping Vision alive. So is this alternate reality Wanda seemingly created, or at least seemingly in charge of, keeping Vision alive? And if it fails, will Vision return to being a lifeless android? I think there's a bit of an emphatic yes to this. But once this is resolved, does that spell the end for Paul Bettany as Vision? I'm going to say, let's look at the comics. So. Back when I was a kid renting Super Nintendo games from the local Blockbuster, I rented the Avengers video game, and the Vision was not the rather gaudy, nigh-carnival-esque green, gold, and red, but rather an all-white android. 
That version of Vision was rebuilt by, wait for it, Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man, who was also originally the creator of Ultron, though in the MCU, Tony Stark has that oopsie on his dubious resume. But with Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man playing a major supporting role in WandaVision, I like the idea that Hank Pym's quantum research is going to play a role to getting the all-white version of Vision. Well, I hope so anyway. I never liked that color scheme, but we will see. What do you think? What characters are you hoping to see emerge as Phase 4 of the MCU unfolds? Don't forget to like and subscribe, and let the Cine-siblings know what you think. Catch us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm James, and this has been a Cine-siblings production, James Blaine. Thanks for listening to the Cine-siblings podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cine-siblings Pod.